Well, we started a new series a couple weeks ago called 30 Words, 30 Words, and uh, this series really is a conversation about uh, what we believe is the central message of the gospel, that if you're in church much, you've heard that word a lot, and even in culture, we hear the word gospel. Gospel is a simple Greek word translated, it just means good news, good news news. And so that idea of good news has a story, has a message behind it. It's not just a good feeling. It's not changing news. Uh, It is a story rooted in history. And so we have been looking for several weeks at what does it mean to know the gospel. And these 30 words help us define it. How do we live it out and how do we Give it away. And so we're going to take a look. If you're a note taker, you can use the bulletin to fill this out and, uh, and, and track along with us. But we're going to put this up on the screen and we're going to fill it out together. I think we've got some blanks left in there for you right now. Here is the 30 words that Jesus is God with us. That is the foundation. That's the ground of the gospel. Jesus is God with us. We talked about that last week. If you want to check that out, you can go to our website and hear it. And then there are four gifts of the gospel, four gifts that the gospel gives us. And we're going to spend this week and the next three weeks looking at those four gifts. So the ground of the gospel, Jesus is God with us. The first gift is come to show us God's love. Come to show us God's love, to rescue us from sin, to set up God's kingdom, to shut down religion so that we can live God's life, share God's life. So those are the 30 words, and we're going to take a look at that second part of the 30 words, and we're going to look at this idea that Jesus is God with us, come to show us God's love, show us God's love. And I want to look at three specific ways from the passage that we uh, read earlier, that Sherry read for us earlier, how Jesus does that. How does Jesus show us God's love? And there are three things that he shows us. He shows us the nature of of God's love, he demonstrates God's love, and he also shows us the implications of that love. So let's take a look at each of those from this passage of 1 John chapter 4. First of all, Jesus shows us the nature of God's love. In verse Eight and also in verse 16, there is a three-word three sentence that we love. Even if you're not a Christian today, it is a three-word three sentence that you love, and it is this. God is love. Everybody likes that, don't you? Like, we can almost all agree on that. We, God is love. Whether you are somebody who would call yourself religious or not, even if you're not sure if you believe in God, if you do believe in God, on the days you do believe in God, you want to believe that's true, that God is love. And Jesus shows us the nature of God's love, that God is in fact love. Now, here's what that means. When we say that God is love, we are not saying that God loves We're saying that he is love. Now think with me about the difference between those two statements. Because I love, I love my wife, I love my kids, I love you. I can go about and do loving things. But if I'm honest, and most of you know me well enough to know this is true, I'm not always loving. I don't always act in love, and neither do you, right? I mean, we just don't. But by nature, God is himself love. What that means is that love can never be diminished without God ceasing to be God. Nor can it ever be supplemented, meaning that you can't ever add to it and make God more. God is love. So here's what that means in a very practical way for you and for me. There is nothing you can do 
to make God love you more. Now think about that for just a minute. Because for some of you, you might say, well, this is my first time ever coming to church. Your coming to church today did not make God love you more. Your, your good behavior and your religious activity does not cause God to love you more. It's impossible. Because if God is love, that would mean that, that there's no way he can be more of who he already is. Does that make sense? You with me? You tracking? I know it's early and we got to this fast. Normally we warm you up with some songs first. <laughs> yeah, and, but here's the, here's the even better news. So I can't do anything to make God love me more because he's love. But it also means that God's love can never be diminished. That means there's nothing I can do to make him love me less. Now just let that sink in for a second. Because think about you at your very worst. God did not love you less when you were at your worst than he loves you when you're at your very best. Why? Because God is love. That is his nature. He cannot cannot be anything other than loving. Here's the way the Apostle Paul said it. He said, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. This is how God showed his love among us, that while we were at our worst, he demonstrated his love for us in the best demonstration of love that there has ever been given to mankind. So I can't make God love me more. I can't make God love me less. He just loves me. It also means that God's love is universal. There is no person there's no category of people that I could say God doesn't love them God doesn't love them because if God didn't love a category of people God would not be love therefore God would cease to be God John did not say that God loves he said God is love there's a difference there This is the nature of who God is. Jesus shows us the nature of who he is. And here's what some people say. Well, Gary, I love it. I love it when you talk about, you know, that God is love. You know, we did a whole series about a year ago called Love Well. You can check it out online. It's a resource for you if you want to know more about this. We talk about, you know, I love it when we talk about that. But don't don't we need to balance that idea with the truth that God God is also wrathful and judging? That he's righteous? No. Let me tell you why. Because there is nothing that God does that, can, that isn't loving. So even God in his wrath, even God in his judgment, even God in his righteousness is expressing who he is, who is love. It's not that love is an attribute of God added to all the other attributes. No, that's not how we think about it. Instead, what we see is every attribute of God is showing us God's love. So it would have been like when my kids were small, and I don't remember which kid it was, and, and, but I, you know, it, everybody's had a parenting experience like this where you're, you're walking with your kid and it's the, the, a young child and they're not paying attention and you as the parent are aware of all the dangers all around, like cars and parking lots and all that stuff and you're constantly watching and you know, the child's just oblivious, right, not paying any attention. And there was an occasion I recall where, where one of our children was about to step into harm's way and I grabbed that child and yanked that child back. Now, from that child's perspective, what had I done? I had been mean, right? 
I, I had been mean to that child. But what was my action really demonstrating? Love. My action was demonstrating love for that child. My action was not to hurt the child. It was to protect the child, to save the child. God is love, meaning that every attribute of love is a description of that love. This is an expression of that love. Let me, let me give you an exercise to do this week. There's a great definition of love in your Bible. In 1 Corinthians chapter 13, Paul gives a definition. You've heard it at weddings. I did a wedding Friday, and I, I, I made this statement. You know, love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It is not rude. It is not self-seeking. Love is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails. Woohoo! Right? We love it. Now, here's, here's what's true. Take 1 Corinthians 13 and substitute the word love with the name of God. God is patient. God is kind. He does not envy. He does not boast. He is not proud. He is not rude. He is not self-seeking. God is not easily angered. He keeps no record of wrongs. He removes your sins as far as they are, the east from the west. God always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. God never fails. God is love. And so if I ever have a circumstance in my life that causes me to doubt God's love, all I have to remember is not that he just does love, but that he is love. So how can I view the circumstances of my life in such a way that I can make myself understand that even in the difficulties, even in the struggles, even at times where I'm being disciplined, the Bible says that God disciplines those he, what? Loves. How can I see God as loving? Jesus shows us the nature of God's love. And here's, here's what's true for, for, for all of us. We, we like that idea. We do. But, but I would just challenge you, if you're not a Christian, if you're not a Christian, ask yourself this question. How do you know that God is love? How do you know? It's not by looking at nature. Because when you look at nature, the big fish eats the littler fish, right? I mean, in nature, it's just survival of the fittest. It's not by looking around at society in general. The only way that we can be assured that God is love is by seeing the model of that he gave us in Jesus Christ, which gives us to the second thing, that Jesus shows us the demonstration of God's love. Look what he said in 1 John 4, 9 and 10. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love, not that we loved God. Okay, so if you have been raised in a religious environment where somehow you were convinced uh, that that God's love for you was conditional on how much you loved him as demonstrated by being religious, you were misled. Because you do not, God does not love you because you first loved him. God loves, we are only able to love because God first loved us. Not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sin. That he demonstrated his love. This is that Romans 5, 8 passage I mentioned earlier. That God demonstrates his own love for us in this. That while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. You see, apart from Christianity, there is no other world religion that can give evidence to what the human heart hopes is true. And that is that God is love. 
Christianity gives us a demonstration of that in Jesus Christ, that God took on flesh, came and lived among us. He showed us the nature of God by showing us love, and he demonstrated that love by dying on the cross for us. Not when you were at your best, but when you were at your worst. Not when you were at your highest, but when you were at your lowest. Not when you were being your most religious self, but when you were being your most irreligious self. And so God demonstrated his love for us through the death of Jesus on the cross. And the cross is the ultimate demonstration of God's love. By this, it says 1 John 3.16. We all know 1 John 3.16, right? Say it with me. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. We all know that verse. We see it at football games if somebody's holding up a placard somewhere, right? It's John 3.16. But I think for Christians, like, like if, that is, if that is graduating from high school, a doctorate degree is 1 John 3.16. And this is what 1 John 3.16. By this we know love, that he laid down his life for us. That's John 3.16. Here's the second part. And we ought to lay down our life for the brothers. You see, what God did for us in his demonstration of love by sacrificially dying on the cross, he says, okay, now you demonstrate my love to everybody by you being sacrificial in how you love others. And that leads us to the third thing, that Jesus shows us the implication of God's love. Look at uh, 1 John 4, 7 and 8 and 11 through 12. Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God because God is love. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us and his love is made complete in us. Verse 16 and 17, whoever lives in love lives in God and God in them. This is how love is made complete among us, so that we will have confidence on the day of judgment. In this world, we are to be like Jesus. We're to live like him. We're to love like him. Verse 19 through 21. We love because he first loved us. Whoever claims to love God, yet hates a brother or sister, is a liar. For whoever does not love their brother and sister, whom they have seen, cannot love God, whom they have not seen. And he has given us this commandment. Anyone who loves God must also love their brother and their sister. Now, I want you to think with me for just a second about the logical idea here, okay? Because because this is true. Like with my kids, if one of my kids shared, you know, so Emma, Emma shared with you, Abby. So Abby, you should share with who? Emma, right, right. You know, Caleb, Macy was nice to you, so you ought to be nice to Macy, right? So think about this. God loves you, so you ought to love who? Uh -uh. (laughs) Uh-uh. It's not how he works, exactly. He He totally messes up the pattern, doesn't he? God loves me, therefore I'm supposed to love you. Think about this for a second. If God is love, he doesn't need my love to complete him. I I can't add anything to God. There's nothing I can do that makes God more loving. God loves me so that I can in turn love you. God loves me so that I can love my wife. God loves me so that I can love my kids. And here's where it gets hard. God loves me so I can love my enemy. 
Because the truth is, I was his enemy when he loved me. And he loved me anyway. He loved me in spite of my sin. He loved me in spite of myself. He loved me in spite of all that I had done to offend him. When I was at my worst, he still loved me. God loves me, so I am to love everyone. That's the implication of this love that God is teaching. That we are to love others as a demonstration of God's love. So so let me just ask you, as we prepare to take communion in just a few minutes, do you have a hard time believing that God loves you this morning? Maybe for some of you, you're having a hard time because of your circumstances. And, And looking around the room, I know some of your stories, and I know how difficult some of your circumstances are. But, but what if rather than questioning God's love based on your circumstances, you began to question your circumstances based on the rock-solid evidence that you have that God loves you? God loves me, therefore, I will try to understand the diagnosis. God loves me, therefore, I will try to understand the rebellious child. God loves me, therefore, I will try to understand the divorce. God loves me, therefore, I will try to understand the bankruptcy. Are you having, because here's the thing, if God is love, there's nothing that you can experience that isn't an extension of his love, even the hardest things that we face. Or maybe you have a hard time believing God is love today because of actions that you've taken. Because you think, he could not love me. He, he doesn't, he doesn't know what I've done. And right there, you're wrong. He knows everything you've done, and he still loves you. He knows ways you've offended him that you don't even know. And yet, he loves you. Because here's what some of you do. You confuse condition with value. Your condition has nothing to do with your value. You may be here this morning in really bad condition. You may be here filled with shame and doubts and regret and fear and anger and lust and greed. You may be here and hung over and barely understanding what I'm saying. Your condition is bad, but your condition does not define your value your value is infinite to God so much that he would die for you he doesn't love you less based on your condition it's not conditional he is love and Jesus has forever answered the question of how much does God value you how much does God love you it has been settled once and for all on the cross let me ask you another question are there people or is there a person you are having a hard time loving right now. And if I could hear your story, I would say you're absolutely right. That scoundrel, that jerk. I mean, I'd I'd agree with you, right? I mean, I'd I'd be like, oh, I, I might even be madder than you are. Is there somebody you're having a hard time loving? I'm not saying they deserved your love. I'm not saying they earned it. I'm not saying they haven't hurt you or offended you. But here's what's true. Any problem that I have loving others is ultimately rooted in my ability to fully live out God's love in me. If I have a hard time forgiving my enemy, it's because I have a hard time believing that God has first forgiven me. And so it draws me back to this center, this idea of who is God and how do I know he is love. I see it demonstrated in Jesus and the implications of that should transform me as I begin to live it out in my life with other people. I'm going to ask those who are serving communion in our band, if they would, to all come back into their places. And as they're making their way to do that this morning, I I want to just remind you of what we're doing here as we share in communion together. Um, 
The meal that the disciples ate together was a, a pretty common meal. It was one that not only would they have eaten on Passover, uh, but they would have had this bread and this wine on a regular basis uh, through the rhythm of their week and the rhythm of their life. But Jesus, on the night before he was betrayed, got the disciples together and he gave a different meaning to this bread. He, he, he broke the bread. He said, this is my body broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Who is Jesus? Jesus is God with us. Come to show us God's love. When we remember the body of Christ broken, we are remembering that God loves us and has demonstrated it through Jesus. Then he took the cup. He said, this wine is my blood poured out for the forgiveness of your sin. As often as you drink it, do it in remembrance of me. And so we remember that God himself took on flesh. That flesh was ripped and torn and he bled on the cross. And that that blood was shed so that we might be forgiven of our sins. That he would demonstrate the love for us even while we were still sinning. He would die for us. And so sometimes it's easy to hear those things, right? And we talked a few weeks ago about the, the longest 18 inches is the 18 inches from here to here. And sometimes we have to do more than just talk. Sometimes we have to, we have to actually feel something, taste something. And so the church participates in communion. And you're going to be invited as the ushers make their way down the aisle. Your rows are going to be released uh, right down this aisle. And then you'll go around the opposite side. This side you'll come out to your right and back on the left side. And you're going to come forward. And, and if, if you're here today and, and you're a believer in Jesus Christ, you're welcome to participate. You don't have to be a member of Southside. Um, if you don't want to participate, you can just remain seated. If physically you're limited and, and you, you need somebody to serve you, the usher will serve you where you're sitting. That's fine. Balcony, you'll be dismissed to go to either side of the balcony whenever you feel led. But the folks serving you are going to say to you, the body of Christ broken for you. The blood of Christ poured out for you. And as you take that bread and you dip it in that juice and you eat it, I just wonder if you today would just be reminded of God's amazing love for you as demonstrated in Jesus Christ. Will you pray with me? Father, we come to you this morning overwhelmed by your goodness and your love for us. Father, we confess to you that we try to balance your attributes. But Lord, there's no way to balance love with your attributes because you are love. Therefore, everything you, every attribute you show us is somehow an expression of your love. Help us to understand that. Help us to see it in Jesus. Lord, thank you that you have given us evidence of your love. Lord, I think of the people around the world today who hope that you're loving, but they don't know. Thank you that you sent Jesus to show us your love, to demonstrate it for us. And Lord, the implications of your love are transforming. As you just change us from the inside out to love like you love, Lord, help us to do that. Even as we come and take this communion, as we take it into our bodies, Lord, and as it metabolizes itself into our into our cells and ultimately becomes energy. Lord, may we use that energy to be extensions of your love in the world, that we would love others the way you've loved us, that we would love even our enemies. 
as you have loved us. Holy Spirit, we invite you in this time to have your way. We come to you, Lord, confessing that our condition is bad, it's rough. But Lord, you have declared our value to be ultimate in Jesus. Lord, for the man who's here today who doubts that, for the woman who's here today whose shame is overwhelming, Lord, today may they believe that Jesus is evidence that you love them. We pray this in his name. Amen.